Welcome to Live Let Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Live Let Thrive. What is up, Micah, man? I am good, Stevie Stacks. How you doing? Good, man. Good, man. Busy, busy. You know how we do it. Hustle, yes, hustle every day. Um, today's special episode, episode 150 of your favorite Airbnb, VRBO, short-term rental, long-term rental, share economy podcast in the world, and that is Live, Let, Thrive. And yeah, we have a special guest today. Who do we have? Who do we have? A, a certain Julie George. So nice they named her twice. What is up, Julie? Hello, g'day. I should say g'day because g'day. I'm coming to you from Australia and we are one day ahead of you. So if you need uh, a bit of a forecast into what the future looks like, just ask. It's looking pretty bright in Australia. All right. No more, no more COVID, eh? No. We, uh, <laughs> you know what? We've, got, we've had only 1,000 deaths total in the whole country and mm. we have about 20 people at the moment with COVID in the whole country. So oh we goodness. are taking it super seriously we, as soon as there is any discussion about COVID, it's about one person on the news. And we talk in specifics and say, this cleaner got COVID. She went on this bus, this restaurant, and we then locked down the whole place. It is super, super serious, but we have benefited hardly any deaths, open as normal, very few mask wearing situations and woohoo, <laughs> go Australia. <Wow>. Australia <laughs> did it right then, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, we're number one at um, cases, so there you go. Oh, <laughs> you're at the opposite end. Yeah, we're the. <laughs> oh, Steve, that's terrible. Yeah. All right, you, need, you boys need to relocate to Australia because I uh, want to go so bad. I want to yeah. go check it out. Yeah, maybe you got maybe you got some spots for us. Yeah, I have sure. some units over there that I haven't opened with my timeshare. I need to open them. Oh, oh no! Nice. Get I'll on it, buddy. Yeah, I'll get on it. <laughs> so, Julie. So you are the million dollar host. You have an awesome book and I'm definitely going to be purchasing that. So what is the full journey? When did you get started with short-term rentals? Yeah, look, my favorite story to tell. So let me just jump straight in and tell you um, it was only four years ago. So it was, well, it was November, 2016 and November, 2016, I had a tenant move out of a long-term uh, lease agreement that I had with him on a one-bedroom apartment. Now, this is, was a property I owned mm. and I was always only getting just over $1,000 a month in rent on that property. So it was okay. It was, you know, it was, I was paying the bills, but I wasn't making any money. Uh, I, you know, the values of property in my, the town that I live in, I live in just off the Great Barrier Reef in uh, Queensland, north um, of Australia. The, the property values were sitting flat. So unfortunately, as a property investor, I wasn't seeing much return at all. I then decided to give this phenomenon of Airbnb a crack and I had heard amazing things about it. I decided to connect the Wi-Fi. I put some linen in the property and popped it up on Airbnb. Within minutes, I had bookings and I went from, well, we, we talk in weekly amounts. So we went, I went from $240 a week to $600 a week. Mm. So what's that? Uh, 2,400 a month. And I absolutely had my mind blown <laughs> working, working as a realtor at the time. I just thought there is an opportunity here for property investors, uh, for homeowners wanting to go on vacation themselves and having their properties rather than sit vacant, give it to me. I'm going to manage it while you're away and I'm going to make you a ton of money. And so I pitched that idea, very new, very new concept in Australia in 2016, so many years ago. Um, and within two and a half years, I built a business called Host My Home. That business went from zero to 130 properties and $8 million income on Airbnb only in within two and a half years. So that in a nutshell is the success story. I wrote about it in the book. I sold my business. So that's an interesting thing that we might talk about as well. Sold my business so I can now concentrate on helping other entrepreneurs realize their dreams and support them in the industry. So 
Boom. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's a lot of impact there, Micah. Yeah. So, uh, so you, you, you said you were a realtor. Did you, how did you use that as an advantage to grow your business? Did you use that? Yeah, I did. I, I just, I, well, I guess it was always a, a very much a hobby. And um, over the years working, well, I worked in lots of different uh, industries and you'll read about it in the book, but advertising, um, oh, look, my first job was feeding crocodiles. So there you go. So something completely bizarre. Uh, that's another story. Um, but uh, so I had always loved real estate. I always invested in real estate. I always knew that you can make, well, you know, on TV, everyone makes money in real estate right so uh according to those million dollar listing shows um so i thought i've got to get in but then i decided that i wanted to make it a profession so i did my license i became a realtor and i sat in open homes on weekends by myself bored 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 and thought there's got to be something better so it was really what it did do though, Michael, to answer your question, it gave me an understanding of the industry. Mm-hmm. It gave me credibility. When I started my property management business in the short-term rentals, it gave me credibility. So people thought, right, this girl, she's serious. She's a professional. And it really, um, it probably brought in a bit of work actually. Wow. That's so cool. Cause like you said, you started with the property you owned, right? I did. And then, and then, was there a point where you said, well, if I just start managing other people's, I can grow a lot faster than like, you know, buying one and then doing Airbnb in one. Mm-hmm. And how did that, how did that transition go? Yeah. Well, this, uh, this is an interesting story too. So probably about two months after I had put my, my own property up and I tried, I tested it. I saw what sorts of uh, people were coming through on the Airbnb platform and loved every second of it. Uh, I was out with a property investor. A lady had contacted me. She had flown from interstate into the town that I live in, searching for that unicorn of a positive cash flow property. Now, we used to talk about these properties being uh, around all the time. You were going to make more money than there were expenses and have this cash flow immediately. So she had been reading some books, obviously. So she decided to come to Cairns, where I live. She wanted to find this unicorn. (laughs) And I had to disappoint her and say, look, I'm really sorry, but there just aren't any of those sorts of properties on the market. Otherwise, they would have been snatched up. But how about I create one for you? And so with that, we went and had a look at all these little properties. Well, I listed five. I had a look at five properties with this lady. They were all five properties that I said to her, which one would you like to vacation in? And she ended up choosing one, uh, a little one bedroom unit, very cheap. We can get these for 150,000 where I am from. So quite cheap. She chose a property. So I sold it to her. So firstly, I got a commission, cha-ching. Secondly, I said to her, let's furnish it and put it on Airbnb like I have. And she said, well, I live in Sydney. I don't think I can do it. And I said, yeah, but I can. So I furnished it. I listed it. I, I, sorry, I furnished it and I ran around every Kmart and Target and got it set up. So there's a little fee that I charge for that income stream number two. The third thing that we said that we decided on was that let's manage it on Airbnb. But guess what? I'm going to manage it for you. I'm going to take 25% of any earnings and income number three came in. So I guess that was when the real light bulb moment went off. And six months later, this woman was so happy with what we did. She rang me and said, Julie, do it again. So I went out, bought her a second property. She still to this day hasn't seen that second property but it is making her a ton of money. Oh, wow. I, I, that, I love that. You use being a realtor to your advantage and then you, you created multiple streams of income just off being a realtor. So this is my question because you actually got me thinking, man, maybe I should go get my license. But this is, this is my question because one reason why I haven't is because there's certain restrictions on being, you have to be a realtor for a certain amount of time here in order to start managing properties. Is that the same in Australia or is it you can start uh, day one? It's not a timing thing, but it is a trust account. Um, there's a headaches with running trust accounts. So when you're collecting money on behalf of property owners, you have to have a special bank account called a trust account. You have to have audits. You have to be regulated. You have to jump through so many hoops you know, it really does my head in. Um, And it is probably the one of the things I miss least about this profession is having to do all that type of thing and the regulation. 
But on the flip side, I really believe that that credibility and that assurity that I was giving to those property owners by saying, I'm putting your money into an account that I cannot touch. I am not allowed to by law to access that money. That just gave them reassurance. And I think also they take, as you know, they take being a realtor, well, everyone takes realtors very seriously. There are some pretty strict laws in place that you've got to do things by the book. I also think that having a realtor manage your property, uh, yeah, once again, reassurance, but also uh, it's just a security there that um, especially way, way back in 2016, people were a bit nervous. They didn't know what this Airbnb gig was about. They really didn't understand it. Uh, So, you know, I guess, and at that time it was all about promoting, I'm going to make you much more money than you can make with a long-term lease or selling your property. So, but I would, I actually would recommend it, even if it was to take some time. I think the competition out in the marketplace now for property managers and that, you know, whatever model you're running, whether it's arbitrage, whether it's management, whether it's co-hosting, and there's a ton of business ideas I have up here um, that I'm happy to share with everybody because I haven't got time to do it. But I think whatever it is, the more credibility you can give yourself and the the more, uh, you know, the more professional that you can appear in the public eye, the better your business is going to be. Nice, nice. So, so how did you come across, I mean, how did you come up with, uh, okay, I'll manage your property for 20%. Where did that number come from? <laughs> I just plucked it out. <laughs> I plucked it out, Steve. I've got to be honest. I just went, how much money do I want to make? And, uh, you know, and I got it wrong. I got, I, in the beginning, I didn't, I forgot about taxes and I forgot about, I just didn't know. I, I knew that a long-term realtor, like a long-term leasing realtor would charge about nine or 10%. And I just doubled it up. And, I, and it, it, so in the beginning, it was 22% that I was charging. Um, so I must, sorry, I must correct myself. So it wasn't the 25, but the 25 is the secret number because in the end, I had to go to those existing property owners and go, I'm not making any money. I need to put your commissions up. And that was the hardest conversation in the world, let me tell you. Um, and there was some resistance, but in the end, I was lucky enough that there wasn't any other options. Well, actually there were a couple, but they weren't offering the services that I was. So, uh, so look, to be completely honest, pluck a number, see if it works. If it doesn't fix it. That's, I like that. How you, how you asked that, that question. It's a very important question that not a lot of people ask, how much money do I want to earn? That's like a, that's a, wow. A lot of people are afraid to ask that. Like, I don't deserve to make that much. You know, they feel a little late, but Hey, I, I want to be a millionaire. I got to start, you know, charging like a millionaire would charge, right? You know, I I find that is the one thing I consult a lot of um, people that are trying to scale their businesses now and they're probably at 10 properties. They want to get to 20. A lot of people have got those blinkers on and they hold themselves back and I guess they set their goal, but they set it too low and they might, they're restricting themselves. Like if they say, I just want to get to 20 by the end of the year, that's probably all they're going to get to. You know, but if you can dream bigger, you can set your goals bigger, you will suddenly find that, you know, <laughs> that anything is possible. I mean, to be quite honest, guys, I'm, you know, my friends and family just cannot believe that this girl from Australia has now connected with people all over the world, just like yourself, like your listeners. You know, I'm on media, I'm TV, you know, newspapers. I've got all this amazing attention. But, you know, I haven't even got shoes on at the moment. I'm doing a Zoom call. (laughs) I haven't had to put high heels on for for months. And, you know, I just think don't be afraid to to really dream big. Take those, you know, and, and don't set your expectations too low because I promise you, Anything is possible. You've just got to have, have an idea of what you want, why you want it. The why is very important. And then you've got to put the action in to make it happen. Wow. Nice. I like that. Yeah. I think I'm going through that. Set my goals too low. I told them I was going to pick up X amount of number of units. And then I said, I'm going to buy this many. But I'm all, uh, it's what, January? And I'm almost to the point where I've bought the number that I've wanted to achieve. So I'm like, Thing. I might like, uh... you know, so that is very true. I love how you said that. So, and, and so you had a portfolio of a hundred something units and you're a realtor and you're managing these. What systems did you use to automate that? Just so like the listeners would know it can be done. 
Okay, this is going to absolutely blow your mind. No systems. I am the most technophobe person. And just as, a, as an example, and I will answer your question, but just to explain who I am, I'm still using a paper diary. I'm still, I am on iPhone. However, when we're on Clubhouse together, and I know that, the, well, Micah and I have been connecting almost daily on that Clubhouse app. When we're on that, the first time I got up on stage to talk, I had 300 people ping my phone on Instagram. What the hell's Instagram? I had to sit down with my my 22-year-old son a couple of days and go, and go, what do I do now? I need to create some content. And I think, Micah, you actually reached out and said, I can help you. But I'm like, man, I have no idea. So... To answer your original question, how did I run this property? I had a, this business. I had 130 properties. On any one given night, I had four to 500 guests staying in Julie's property. I was running one of the biggest pseudo hotels in probably in the state, to be honest, because even the Hiltons or the Marriott's or, you know, they don't probably cater to that many people. So I'm, not, I'm running a lot of people. I'm, I've got lots of properties. I was running it from my Air, Air, sorry, Airbnb phone app, <laughs> my Airbnb, the website. I was running zero accounting and I was running a real estate software. That's it. Nothing else. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Imagine if I'd actually put some automation into it, what I could have achieved. I just, <laughs> you know, at the time, 2016, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And I guess the way that I set my business up was super simple. And I like the KISS method, the keep it simple, stupid method. Mm. Um, it was all, and if, if you guys are happy to talk about it, I'll talk about how, the, how I set the model up because really my whole goal was to work on it, not in it. And, oh, yeah. But to be honest, if anyone's listening in wanting to replicate, you do have to work in it just for a little while. So Mm -hmm. you do have to get your hands dirty. You do have to get into the messaging. You do lose sleep over the midnight phone calls that come in. I only had to do that for about uh, 12 months. And then I was able to really hand it over. And I delegated, say I had 10 properties at the beaches, I would delegate that to one co-host. And that co-host was... So my main profile on Airbnb had all 130 properties and that made it very easy to sell in the end. Different story again. Mm. By having someone co-host on that main profile, a guest would come and stay at Julie's property, but Glenn might answer the message and say, hey, I'm Glenn, I'm Julie's co-host. Now, they didn't know if Glenn was Julie's husband, Julie's boyfriend, Julie's whatever it was. It didn't matter. But they just knew that they were coming to Julie's property. Glenn was meeting them. So it was a very personal one-on-one. Now, Glenn had to visually meet them, each person. He had to... So even with smart locks and check-ins, none of that. We were letting people in ourselves (laughs) and still are. The business model still runs as it is. So they had to meet and greet the, the guests in person. They had to answer all the inquiries. This is the co-host. They had to clean the property. They had to report any damages and they had to be responsible for that property. So it was like giving someone a franchise and saying, here are 10 properties. They are your responsibility. If any linen goes missing that we don't charge the guests for, you're paying for it. So I had a few little things in like that. If I get bad reviews, I'm going to take that property off you. If I get really good reviews and you can show me you've got potential to handle more properties, I'm going to grow your portfolio and give you more properties. Now, with that co-host, I paid them the full cleaning fee. So I would charge the guest the cleaning fee, pass that straight to the co-host. I would also give them 6% of the 25% I was charging. So here's here's the clincher, guys. I was still providing the consumables, the tea, the coffee, the shampoos, toilet paper, but for every, every booking that came through on Airbnb, I could quickly calculate that 19% was coming to me. And all I had to do was, pro- was provide the consumables and go out and find the next property, get the next property, get the next one. We scaled super, super quick. Now, some of my co-hosts had up to 23 properties. How did they handle it? It was up to them to employ cleaners. So they had their own team of cleaners 
not not my responsibility. My contract is with my co-host. So Glenn, you want to go and get a cleaner? You want to take on more properties? You pay them, you work that out. You want time off? You partner with somebody else. Perfect. You hired <laughs> managers. I love it. You hired <laughs> managers. That wow, that is awesome. That is awesome. I think Steve, you had a question, my bad. Oh, yeah, well, she answered a lot of uh, the, the questions I was gonna ask because I was like, <laughs> what was the well, the pivotal point where you went from just managing a few to like getting to like 132 or getting to like to, to grow so fast and you and I guess you utilize other people to help you. But when did you get to the point where like I need I I need someone else to to, to help step in and help? So good question. And I did. So, so all of these co-hosts were contractors and the beauty of that was should the, um, the income stream lower for whatever reasons, if the, the season's not great, if it's raining, if, if there's a pandemic <laughs> and the income comes down, I'm not responsible for paying any money out. So it was a very secure system. Then I got to the point though, Steve, as you said, you know, when you're talking to, we would have five, property investors a day contact us on average, list my, manage my property, manage my property, manage my property. I couldn't do that. I'm, I, you know, I'm one person. So I needed after 12 months, I, I would think it was probably at the 12 month mark. I then employed an area manager. And in the end, when I had uh, 130 properties, I had two employees, two area managers, and I had a personal assistant. So, but also at that stage, I had an office. So I had opened an office that also gave me a lot of credibility in the community that brought a hell of a lot of business in. In fact, my business doubled when I opened a shop front and I've got to say that anybody working from your spare bedroom right now, listening in, I promise I did not regret at all. Any of those hires, any of those uh, employing those people or taking on that shop front. So those employees, just to give you a bit of an idea, um, the employees that I took on, they had geographical locations as well. So I had one at the beaches, one in the city, and they would, underneath, they would supervise all the co-hosts in that area. They would, their main job was to go out and find new properties. So they had to get out, do appraisals. They had to deal with the property owners. They had to decide if we wanted to take on that property and take on that property owner because... Let me tell you, not every property and not every property owner is a good client. And I have broken up with so many over the years. So uh, so they were doing that. They were also then um, dealing with pricing. <laughs> so even with pricing, we weren't automating that. We were guessing. And that freaks me right out now thinking, how much money did I lose but not using AirDNA, Price Labs, Wheelhouse? You know, there's some incredible operators out there now. I just didn't know what I didn't know. So here I am guessing. And, uh, and so the girls in my office were setting the prices, looking after the calendars, talking to the owners, uh, dealing with maintenance issues, getting claims fixed, running to Kmart when we needed new homewares, that type of thing. That was their job. The, the young girl that I had as a uh, management assistant, she was the receptionist. She was doing all the inputting uh, because, you know, we all know that there's a lot of admin behind the scenes with these, these things. Uh, but I can tell you it was, um, yeah, it was in the end, I had to get, I'll tell you what, I had to get to a hundred properties as a sweet spot. And that, this is quite important. I recognize that at 100 properties, no matter what the market was like, I would still make enough money to cover three wages plus the office. So anything after that was cream. Mm. And, and was it like, how, how do you go about finding people to co-host? Like you said, for the 6% and the cleaner fee. <laughs> Good question. So I also poached a lot of people. I stole everybody from, <laughs> if I came across, if I was in a restaurant and the, the server was amazing and they had awesome customer service and I could see their work ethic and I could just see that they had the potential, they were entrepreneurial thinking, they just needed an opportunity. I'm sitting down with that person. I'm having a chat. So I guess, um, look, to be honest, the best people that I found were already, they already had a cleaning background because cleaning is not for everybody and it sucks. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I've done 17 beds in a day and I just remember thinking, this is, whose idea was this business? This is crap. I'm out of here. You know, lucky I got over that the next day, but um, you've got to find somebody with a really good cleaning background. So when I was 
when I couldn't find somebody to train, I was out there advertising on Facebook. I was talking to, um, putting it on well, your equivalent to Craigslist. Uh, we call it Gumtree in Australia, but any any uh, website, any social media platform where you can actually put it out for free. You don't have to pay for this. Put it out for free and just say, look, are you a professional cleaner? Do you want more, another opportunity? Would you like to be trained in the Airbnb space? I am going to help um, mentor you and develop your own business. And that's really important. As a contractor, we've got some pretty serious laws in Australia that prevent us from, um, well, we've got it. We can only have a contractor if we are helping them build their own business, which is a saleable asset. Okay. So, it's, uh, it's got to be something that I can help others. So, so by rights, I was building these people's business up. And Glenn, who I was talking about before, he had a saleable asset. Now, I'm very lucky that he never, no one ever decided to sell their business because they were making so much money. Glenn, with 10 properties with this system, was making about $1,500 to $2,000 a week oh. by working with me. So we're talking big money all round. Win for the property owner, win for my co-hosts, and win for myself. And so it was a really good system. Um, but yeah, sorry, Steve, I know I'm babbling on a bit here, but I just know that if you can find somebody with a great, who can clean and good communication skills, you've got to have somebody. Now I did employ a co-host once who I think liked to get on the terps a little bit and like to drink a fair bit. And at nighttime, their messaging to the guests was awful. <laughs> and they, I was like, are you drunk? <laughs> anyway. Parted ways. So, uh, so make sure that they don't have an alcohol issue, a drug substance issue, communicate and they can make a bid. Wow. Uh, that's amazing advice. So um, I have a question for you. So you started in 2016 and you've already sold your business. It's 2021. So in five years, you were able to create a multi-million dollar business and sell it. When did you sell your business? <laughs> well, even less than that. Um, so t- November 2016, I started. Mm-hmm. two and a half years later, it's only two and a half years later, I had that 130 properties. I was making $8 million. Sorry, I made $8 million within that time frame. Sorry, I'll make sure I word that right. And that was generated on Airbnb. So, um, so just to clarify, but then I got a tap on the shoulder and anybody out there listening, you will have this happen to you too. Once you get up to about Oh, I would say probably 20 to 30 properties really gets the attention of all these big guys. And they, and I know that they have access because I've been to the Airbnb head office in San Francisco and I've seen what sort of information can be taken. So, um, <laughs> but they can tell who are the operators who have got the most listings and the big guys, like we're talking for casas, we're talking, you know, like the, well, you know, there was, there's a whole bunch of them out there, but in Australia, the big one that came to knock on my shoulder was Home Time. Now, Home Time are an incredible company and they came asking whether I would be interested in selling because they wanted to get into my marketplace, but they could see that I was dominating it. On Airbnb, Julie owned everything. All the properties were uh, Julie's. So they were like, oh gosh, how do we compete with this? We may as well just partner um or buy in at the time when they offered that i wasn't sure and so then i started brainstorming it what do i want personally how do i see my next few years play out and this baby here this book i had written in 2018 uh so two years after i started the business and so it had been about six months when these guys came offering this opportunity the book had gone bestseller around the world. I was getting daily opportunities to get onto interviews like this. And so I just went, I love this. I love helping yeah. other people. I'm not so passionate about worrying about 500 people every night, whether they're going to fall down the stairs, get locked out, uh, not pay their bills, Airbnb, give me trouble over claims, that type of thing. So I decided to take that stress off the table And I ended up selling to home time with the provision that they kept my business model and structure exactly as it is. So will you be able to tell how much you sold it for, or is that a secret? Sorry. And that's (laughs) the one question I can't, but (laughs) what I can say is that it is the ultimate payday and it means that I never have to work again. I (laughs) never have to work again. I paid off all my properties that I, so I, I own six and I paid them all off. And I do not ever have to work 
ever, ever again. I'm 45 now. I've, I can say I'm officially retired. Uh, I work when I want to work and it is the best freaking feeling ever. So I love it. I love it. Now, now did they throw in a clause that you can't start another um, business, mm-hmm. another um they did, for, but only for 18 months. Um, so that's, that's almost up now. And, but oh, let's start a business. Come on. But I know. But I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> well, it you sounds know, like you, yeah. Sounds like you got asked, good at, sorry, sorry, Steve, what? It sounds like you got good at delegating everything out anyway. So <laughs> yeah. I'm good at not working. <laughs> I really, I really like not wearing shoes and not <laughs> to race out in the middle of the night and learn, you know, like, but um, but let me say, I'm very happy to help others <laughs> do that. And, you know, if I can, if I can jump on, like I offer a free consultation, a half an hour free consult. And so many people from Clubhouse have taken that up in the last week. But, you know, it may be that we sit down and we, we look at what you previously have done. And I, there was someone in our discussion, Micah, that jumped on a call with me. She, um, she had a background in, well, she was in education. Yeah, education was what she was in. She had three little kids at home, including a six-month-old baby. We did a consult yesterday and she said, I want to do what you're doing. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Honestly, you don't want to be doing 24-7 you know, work. But what you do want to do is you want to utilize your own skills. You're an educator. You've got kids at home. How can you work into this industry and do maybe consultations for people setting up their own Airbnb. They all want to start their own business. Oh, sorry, their own instant hotel. How about you become the expert? And she was in Alabama, I think it was. And I said, why don't you become the Alabama Airbnb consult, a consultant who can help people set up their own business? Now, what you can do is you can charge for that. You, can ch- you might charge just a very small fee, $50 to set somebody up on their own Airbnb, helping them get the listing right, getting their profile right. But the beauty of it is if you use that referral code from Airbnb, you're going to get a kickback from Airbnb as soon as that person gets a guest. Now I did that myself as a side hustle here as part of my business to grow it. And I was at sometimes getting $350 every time I linked somebody to the Airbnb platform. So Airbnb were paying me 350. The, the person paying for the consultation was paying a fee I was maybe doing an hour's worth of work. I could do it from home. But do you know what the best thing was? The people that I was doing it for, I was also saying to them, if the novelty wears off, if you don't like cleaning and if you don't want to get up in the middle of the night to manage this property yourself, come back to me. I'm going to do it for you. So (laughs) win-win. I love that. I love that. So you got some questions, Micah? Oh no, that was it. I was just saying. I thought you were going. Okay, yeah. I guess another another question. I mean, obviously, you know what to do to run a successful, a uh, huge successful hosting business. Um, what are some of the biggest mistakes when people try to scale? Yeah, I think scaling without. I think the very first thing you've got to do, no matter what, and no matter what model you choose, because there's so many different ones, and really depending on your area, depending on your skill base and depending on what your goals are, you've got to decide whether arbitrage, the leasing, subleasing is for you. Uh, The management model is for you, which is what I chose because I don't like the risk of the arbitrage. I don't like putting my own money up. Um, And to start my business, I I put $9,000 in because I needed some computers. I needed some cleaning gear. That was it. I put some advertising in some magazines. So so to me, that was the model that I chose. But whatever model you choose, you need a good framework. You need to have that infrastructure of having a bit of a business plan, knowing how you are going to tackle uh, the day-to-day running of the business. How are you going to um, deliver the services when you get all these properties coming in? Because once people know what you're doing and what services you offer and you get a reputation, business will come to you. You won't have to go chasing the business but you need to be able to fulfill that and you need to know how, how are you going to, yeah, who's going to clean the properties? What are you going to do? What standards are you going to put in? What um, expectations will you set with your property owners so that they're not ringing you 24 seven, ringing up and complaining about whatever it might be that they complain about. So I guess getting your forms, your paperwork, your policies, your systems, everything in, in place first is the one thing that I would absolutely say leads to a successful business. 
anybody who jumps in too fast and doesn't really think about those things first, I see stumble, fall, and then they get themselves into a huge mess where they're using multiple OTAs. They just, they're confused. They don't know how the systems work. And, you know, and, and that's the other thing I would always recommend. Like I was a hundred percent Airbnb. I did try some of the other platforms. I just didn't like them. <laughs> I didn't like that. Some of them didn't have reciprocal reviews. I didn't like that. I had to chase the money from the guests on some of them. I didn't like that. There wasn't damages off offering. So I am a big fan of Airbnb. I do not, I am not paid by Airbnb. I am not sponsored. I just freaking love the platform and, <laughs> Uh, you know, and Chesky, I'm coming at, well, actually I did see him in, uh, when I was in the office, he didn't see me, but I'm just going to say, I, I was with Brian Chesky at his office and he has <laughs> one of my books. So, um, but I just, I just think that they're an incredible platform. And I think in the future, they're only going to get better and better because I know during the situation with COVID, the hosts, they weren't so great with the hosts. They did cause some upsets with cancellations, but who they were good with was the guest and the guests are the ones who will determine where they will go in the future. So mm. think about that. Nice. Oh. Good. That's a good point. Yeah. So since you've sold everything, like is your journey, I know you said you love, and, and I, I love what you said that you found a passion after you sold your business, you were able to find a passion. So is this what you're, is this what you want to do full time now? Is this your full journey? Just helping others or do you, do you have, I'm doing, I think in the last week I've decided I want to do Clubhouse full time. <laughs> I want to be the Oprah on Clubhouse. So, um, but, uh, I now on a serious note, it really is about um, connecting with with entrepreneurs. I really like the people that have already established a business and then helping them scale. That's probably my favourite um, passion. And at the moment, I'm mentoring um, three people. Uh, they've paid a few dollars each uh, to, to have me mentor them. And for the next three months, I'm on their team. So I really consider myself as being part of their team and I'm going to make sure that they achieve all the goals that they have uh, set. Um, and we meet once a week, just for an hour. And we talk about what, what they're doing. I keep them accountable. Uh, but, um, but I really love that. I'm at the moment with the world as it is this forum, the Zoom, the clubhouses, that kind of is all that we have on offer at the moment. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, I was racing around the world uh, on an aeroplane, um, doing conferences, getting up on real uh, on stage with real people, those you know, clubhouse. People. I miss real people uh, and, uh, and doing book signings and all that sort of stuff. But um, I just can't see that happening for another 12 months or so at this stage until the vaccines rolled out and, and Australia lets us out because at the moment we're kind of like a little prison island at the moment in the Pacific, but that's okay with me at the moment. Wow. <laughs> so, okay. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Oh, uh, going backwards a little bit, like when you were um, getting these, these units up and running, like you were doing everything you were setting them up for the for the people too and then and then putting the co-host on them and everything but like what things did you did you find that was was worth putting a lot of your time towards and what things were you that was like a waste of time putting your a lot of time towards yeah well i guess um the first thing is the properties you know the properties themselves in the beginning i was taking anything that could, that i could get my hands on i took on so many crap properties. I nearly swore on your show, but um, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, and in fact, a funny story is that, uh, you know, <laughs> there, were, there were three little studio units that I took on in this complex known as the crack house. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> you can only imagine why the police were showing up there every night. And here I was on Airbnb trying to respond to the bad reviews going, yes, but it's a cultural experience. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't work. So I ended up having to uh, give those away. Um, I realized that the time and the energy and the effort you put into setting up a, any property is the same. So I then realized that go for the good stuff. What's really, really identify what's making the money. What are the ones that people want to stay in? And it was the waterfront properties. It was the ones that were walkable to the city. Uh, it was anywhere between the airport and the city actually. Um, it was the ones that were near the hospital. The hospital was a really a big draw card. Uh, but I guess 
it was really about identifying that. And I guess that was one mistake that I made was in the beginning, anything was coming on. Uh, in the end, it was, I was very selective about who I took on. Um, sorry, what, what else was your question about Steve? Sorry. I'm, I'm yeah. Yeah. I guess I was just asking, you know, what's, uh, did, what did you find that the, the, your best use of time was and the worst use of time was, I guess you, I guess you kind of oh, answered that earlier. And let me tell you the worst use of time was the laundry doing the <laughs> bloody laundry. Um, so in the big, I have tried every method of doing laundry. I have bought the laundry. I have bought linen to put in the properties myself. I thought that was a good idea. It cost me a lot of money and they, I still had to keep replacing it. So that one went out for a little while. I then decided that I should set up a laundromat in my office, washing machines, dryers. <laughs> I thought that would be a great idea. <laughs> I still can't fold a fitted sheet. Um, I just, it, I then realized you've got to outsource all that stuff. You've really got to outsource anything that you are not a hundred percent strong on yourself and have a passion for and i can tell you laundry is not a passion uh, of mine um outsource it so those co-hosts that were i was paying six percent plus a cleaning fee they had to look after the laundry now whether they wanted to do it themselves whether they want to go to a laundromat and get it done for them whether they came up with a better idea that was their problem i just outsourced i gave that issue to somebody else and took that off the table. And I can tell you, my family now does not have a dining room that looks like a Chinese laundry. So <laughs> we win. <laughs> so I have a question for you because you're, you're making me interested in the co-hosting model. I had never thought about hopping in. How much is your co-hosting mentorship? Oh, okay. Well, I'm actually, I'm, so I'm, I'm doing it in conjunction with Eric Moller. Do you know Eric and... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Eric and I, we do it together. So him and I have got these three and it's actually, I'm probably not even, when's this going to air in a couple of weeks, will it? Or um, uh, I'm probably, I'll look, in two it's weeks. just between right. us, isn't it? This, this is just a, a private conversation where no one will, uh, you know, it won't get out into the community oh, that I'm letting the secrets oh. out. Um, we have developed what's called a boom program. I don't know why we came up with the boom program name, but Eric and I, are mentoring these three people now we're charging twenty thousand dollars and we are doing we're just doing three at the moment we're just testing the waters with three but for twenty thousand dollars you get us the two of us on your team and you have us on your team for three months and after that if you decide you want more we just do it again but basically it means that you have got me on slack every day you on the slack channel see i'm technical i know what the slack is now right. um, <laughs> um we are boxing boxer or um we are on like we're, we're basically zooming once a week uh or sorry twice a week so one hour with eric one hour with me and we are really we're in the very early stages but i will definitely report back to you guys and let you know how we go but um but yeah it's it's super fun and we are having a ball so um yeah so come on board micah we'll get you sorted <laughs> wow i did because i had never i'm more of an arbitrager but the co-hosting in this probably a little bit you know it, it's definitely less risk and we have a guy named adam who's always comes on the show he's all big about no take no risk and just make all the money you know so definitely yeah. Well, I, I was always very surprised about how many people in America were very much for the arbitrage model, mm -hmm. but not no one really knew about the management model <clears throat> and perhaps they still don't. Maybe this is the first time your listeners are, are listening about this management idea, but the concept being very similar to a lease agreement with a realtor, mm -hmm. but we're just doing it on a nightly rate instead of a monthly rate. So you're really just taking that concept, you're putting the hospitality component in and you are taking someone's house, putting it on Airbnb or whatever format of whatever uh, platform that you choose, you're taking 25%, they're getting 75%, win-win. The guest pays a cleaning fee. That's, you know, it really is a super simple system that then if you, if they decide that they want to use the property themselves, the property investor can come and use the property anytime. 
Mm -hmm. uh, they, we just block the dates out for them. They can get their family to use it. So that's a huge um, plus for them. They, mm -hmm. Some property investors have never stayed in their own properties. I know I haven't, you know, with my properties that I own. Um, so now you can actually choose to stay in your own property, make almost double what you would with a long-term lease uh, and and have it cleaned, have it looked after and have it really well taken care of. So it is a concept that is new, but I promise you it's actually one that you can instigate and you can actually, here's, here's one of my other tips. Here's a, here's a get your pen and paper ready, people, um, <laughs> is that if you have got realtors in your area who have luxury properties that are furnished and overpriced and they're sitting on the market, you go to those open homes, you introduce yourself and you ask if you can help the realtor sell their property. By doing that and by, by offering to do an appraisal, an Airbnb appraisal, produce a report, you're giving them a sales tool to give to property investors. You then say to that realtor, <laughs> you say to that realtor, okay, now how about we list it on Airbnb until you sell it and let's make the property owner some money Let's offer these property investors looking to purchase the property an opportunity to buy, uh, sorry, try before they buy so they can come and stay in the property and test it out. And you can promise the realtor that you're going to have it clean. You're going to have it pre presented beautifully. You're going to have it, um, you're going to block the calendar for their open homes and for their inspections you will find that you will make best buddies with those realtors. You will get so many properties coming at you that you just won't know what to do with. Mm. Wow. That's golden advice right there. I did write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'll be, I'll be testing and seeing if you boys have <laughs> Um, but I guess, I guess my whole way of thinking with business and with this, with this industry, take the blinkers off. Don't just think that you have to do arbitrage. Don't just be chasing those leases, looking at the subleases. A very good friend of mine, unfortunately, we were just talking about his arbitrage model. He had um, a big setup in Seattle and unfortunately he owed $300,000 in back rent to his landlords. Let that sink in for a second, folks. $300,000 in lease commitments that he owed. He also then had a ton of apartments with furniture that he had to do something with because people were not traveling to the Seattle city area and he just could not run this arbitrage business. He could not. So we have been working through getting him out of that scenario. And I can promise you, he probably won't get back into that model again. Mm, that's yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy you brought that up. Like I do tell people, the people listening, if you are arbitraging, be careful where you arbitrage. And I think I, we talked about it on Clubhouse last night. We actually said, hey, if you're talk, going to a market where a lot of people, Seattle's in the middle up there in the very top of the country, you have to fly there. Most of the people, and yeah, you have to be very careful. I'm happy you brought that up, Julie. That, that's very important. Wow. Wow. So, Julie, how, how the hell do you write a good book? <laughs> you just got to start. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not as hard as it seems. And, I've, and if there is not a, um, a book out by the two of you, I want a, a, a you know, to, to go with your branding, I think that you guys, I'm going to come and shake you when I finally get come and see you because I think that you have got the most perfect book in your podcast series that you've got all these experts that who have talked to you, right? All you need to do is you need to turn each one of those podcasts into a chapter of the book, put together an entrepreneur's series, like secrets of STR operators Boom, publish it. Okay, so and if you don't do that, I'm going to come and shake both of you. But to answer your question, I guess I wrote the book purely because I kept getting asked the same question. How did you do it, Julie? What's your secrets? What have you done? I also, the other reason I wrote the book was that I have a 22-year-old son, as I mentioned earlier, and he knew nothing about his mother. He didn't know that my first job was feeding crocodiles in the wilds of the Kakadu, you know, where Crocodile Dundee was filmed. He didn't know that his mother used to live in Los Angeles. He didn't know, like he had no clue about what I had done. He probably still doesn't. He's very interested in girls, booze and anything else. So, um, <laughs> but what I do know is that this book is going to outlast me. This is going to be a legacy and it's going to be for my children, my grandchildren. And well, after I'm gone, 
this is going to still be in the library shelves. So guys, please do yourselves a favor for your family, for, for your, the success of your podcast, write a book. Mm. Will do. And what chapter do you want to be in our book, Julie? I want to be on chapter 150. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can we start at 150 and work backwards? (laughs) There you go. Like star Wars. Yeah. (laughs) Man, this has been a great show. What do you think, Micah? This has been awesome. Awesome. You've taught me a lot of gyms, dropped a lot of gyms on me. Less stuff that I mean, I got me up here thinking like rattling around up there. So definitely got to take it to the next level in 2021. So thank you for coming on, Julie. My pleasure. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to. Lots of stuff learned. I know our fans learned a lot as well. I, I guess uh, the biggest thing, uh, one of the biggest things, I got a lot of things from this, but one of the biggest things is like we talk about, you know, diff- so many different things, you know, make money on Airbnb, VRBO, you pound your direct bookings, get people to directly book, uh, do arbitrages, buy, buy, pro- we talk all, you know, every strategy, but knowing all those strategies, you, you chose, okay, this is what's going to make me money. I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to use Airbnb. And solely Airbnb, and that's fine. You know, we're not we're not against that. But you use solely Airbnb, and you and you solely did the um, the co-host management management model, and you just became the best you could at that. You know, and you didn't have to, you didn't you didn't start chasing all these other things. You just I'm just gonna be the best I can at that, and and you succeeded like like crazy. That's 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 the, that's what simple, I got from folks. That. Keep it simple, stupid. The kiss method, and whether it's uh, in life or, but you don't need to overthink it. Don't um don't don't make it complicated. You know, folks, your life, your business can be super simple. Focus on the one thing you're good at, focus at your strengths. And, and my other advice is just do it. As Nike says, just do it. Just jump in, have fun. You'll, you will make mistakes, but I promise you it's going to be worth every second. And if you can, if you can give your resignation letter to your boss and you can stop working that day job and you can be free and have freedom and control your own destiny. Uh, I can tell you it is the best thing ever and the best feeling ever. So, so guys, look, thank you so much for having me. And, and please, anybody who's out there who wants to connect, um, I'm, well, I'm on lots of social media now because I've had to learn how to use them all. But, um, but please connect. Please come along to Clubhouse. Uh, you know, the, the three, Stephen is going to join us. He hasn't quite yet. But <laughs> Micah and I are on there pretty much daily. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm having a, a regular Sunday afternoon show uh i've you know i'm inviting all the big level uh big guys that are coming in and hopefully you guys come along and find some new speakers in there as well for for series 151 152 so uh we'll do ah i love it thank you so much julie for hopping on and um yeah this is a an epic show very much so yes it was week 7 30 we actually we're actually late for a clubhouse meeting i know <laughs> me too you know, we're about to hop on. But, uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. Later. Go ahead. And that was Julie George, the amazing Julie George. And uh, on episode 150, we thank you all so much for listening. And, um, yeah, get out there and, and get your hustle on. Do it, you know. Uh, keep it simple, stupid, and just um, start kicking some butt and keep living, letting, and thriving. Yes. And remember to check out and get our book, Million Dollar Host. I'm definitely going to be buying a copy. So check that out. And remember to follow Live, Let, Thrive. You can on IG. Um, you can always follow us, all of us on Clubhouse. And remember to send us an email if you have any questions, liveletthrive at gmail.com. And thank you for continuing to listen. We oh, one more thing. Oh, one more thing. Uh, I, I'm part of, and, and, um, and Julie probably knows this already, the, the short-term, rental, uh, short-term Rental Profits Academy. I'm a part of that. I'm, I'm, I'm learning this whole uh, management thing. So come join me. If you want to sign up, sign up under my code. It's, it, it'll be there on the, on the um, yeah, what's it called? Show notes. <laughs> so yeah, Short-Term Rental Profits Academy. Uh, join and let's, and let's take over the world together. Let's do it. And we're out. Later. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.